This month, we are talking about Porco Rosso, directed by Hayao Miyazaki and produced by Studio Ghibli. Uh, Alex, uh, I know you like this movie. It's great! Yeah, I also like this movie. This what a good most, movie. We've both seen this movie before. I've seen this movie a bunch of times before. It's just a good movie. Um, we watched it the most recent time that we both watched it. We were, we, we were hanging out together with some other friends, which is the first time that we've watched a movie for this show together. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I already, already had already watched it for note-taking purposes. Yeah, I did not watch it for note-taking purposes. I've been moving, um, so I haven't really been able to. Um, but you've seen it before. Yes, and I've so... seen it before multiple times. It is a it is a go-to movie of mine for when I just want to just like chill and just enjoy something pleasant. It, its um, vibes are off the charts. It, it, this movie is maximum hangoutitude. Uh, so yeah, I mean, let's talk about what this movie is about because this is this is uh one of the one of the lesser known Ghibli's, which is ridiculous. It's ridiculous because it's so good. I mean, it's not uh, I don't I don't think it has as much sort of going on, I guess, thematically as uh, you know, like for instance, like Spirited Away or um, true, but it's it's just so like it's it's so well executed. Yeah. It's just like such a tight, like just just great movie. Yeah. Um. So this is a movie about uh Porco Rosso, who is he's a pig man. He has a mustache and tiny round glasses. Uh, and he flies uh a red plane and a little crew cut. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he's got a little crew cut. Uh, and he he was like a World War One fighter pilot. Um, and so this, this movie the takes Italian place. Italian army. Yes, yeah, so this Air game Force. takes place in the in the interwar period between World War One and World War Two, um, and in like the Adriatic Sea, in like an alternate universe where like every everybody's flying planes all over the place, seaplanes specifically. Yeah. So Porco yeah. is a he's a bounty hunter who. Uh, goes after air pirates, like the scourge of air pirates who like <laughs> attack like cruise liners 
from it's the true. air with planes. I think um, this is all part of Miyazaki's love of yes aircrafts and flying. Yeah, uh, which you see um, in other of his films, but most kind of pointedly in The Wind Rises. Yes, which um, is I didn't think it was a very strong film, but it was just kind of a a love letter to airplanes. Which yeah, was, and this movie is also less realistically or historically grounded, but is still very much a love letter to airplanes. Um, so yeah, we we the the opening scene of this movie sets the tone just marvelously um, because it's it's Porco gets a call that some pirates are attacking a like cruise liner like ferry ship kind of thing that has a bunch of like schoolgirls on it um and they're all like they're all like i don't know like six or seven years old like a bunch of like six or seven year old girls and the pirates like pick them all up and then they're all like running around on the plane and like pulling the bullets out of crates and like the pirates just like have their hands the the best part is yeah so so the so the the what's what's the what's the the gang called again i think they're just called the air pirates no, it was like the Mamma Mia auto gang or something. The Mamma Mia. What the <laughs> fuck are you talking about? Did, did we? Oh, did we have different subtitles? Mine, mine had. Uh, I have never. In inca- there's no mention okay. of the Mamma Mia auto it's, gang. It's not on, actually that, but there's no mention uh, of the name of the gang on the Wikipedia article. I don't. I didn't think that they had a name. Let me see. Let me see what mine says. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, like the funniest part is like when they when they take they're they're taking these little kids hostage, and they're uh, very very gently take, loading them onto the plane. Uh, and one of the pirates is like, "Do we really have to take all fifteen of these kids?" And yeah, the pirate's like, "It's not nice to separate them from their friends." Yeah, and the kids are all stoked about it. Like they're just like they're just having a good time. And like that's the thing is that this is a movie about it takes like what could be a serious topic in like air piracy and like you know this sort of stuff, and it it, it fully cranks the dial to adventure and like it's just like like the vibe is of this sort of like glory period in the past when the adriatic sea was was ruled by seaplanes and like everybody was just there to have a good time you know and like you know the it was like you know there were pirates robbing boats and there were bounty hunters chasing after them. it was all basically just an elaborate game of cops and robbers like nobody's actually dying <laughs> or killing anybody yeah, yeah. you know yeah my my sometimes say the mama the mama auto gang is on the move or something huh. Anyway, it's not really important. Uh, uh, so, yeah, after a bit of haggling, uh, Porco... Success- yeah, he successfully retrieves all the little girls, and then he goes to the Hotel Adriano, which reminds me a lot of the uh, the Rubacaba section of Grim Fandango. I was going to uh, say it reminds me of, like, the um, Casablanca it's it's also like a big time Casablanca because yeah. I've never seen Casablanca, <laughs> so like but the, the Rubicaba section of Grim Fandango is like obviously a reference to <laughs> Casablanca, but to I it's not a reference oh, to anything to I've, me. I've, I've forgotten which part of that of the game that was. So it's I the didn't second know. part. It's the second year where 
uh manny like becomes like the owner of this like hotel by the sea and like oh. like this like, hotel and casino oh right right that right, whole right, section right, right. it's like yeah. very it's not like explicitly casablanca but it's very casablanca yeah why have we seen casablanca yet is it a, is a movie night because it's not an anime that's no not for the podcast <laughs> just as like a, a as a hang attitude yeah i don't know uh, anyway casablanca is fun it's a good time um, so yeah, so uh, his his so Porco has this old friend named Gina, and she runs the hotel Adriano and and like sings there as a performer, and everybody loves her, and like all and like like the vibe here is that like all of the the pirates and the bounty hunters and the cops and the criminals and everybody they all descend on the hotel Adriano at night to chill out, and they all have um it's 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 yeah it's neutral territory yeah they, they put aside their differences you know and they all just and they to all be just horny to be horny over gina yeah and and to drink <laughs> um yeah like the 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 pirates are all getting rowdy about porco being a pig and showing them up and busting up their their little their little party and then Gina comes over, and they all get all blushy. Yeah. She's like, okay, boys, no fighting. Yes, Gina! Uh, and so at the at the Hotel Adriana, we're also introduced to Curtis, who is like a newcomer American in, in the scene. His grandmother was a quarter Italian. Uh, but he's, and he's recently shown up, and he's been impressive, and um, he's been contracted. He's working with the, the air pirates to help them with their their next with their their next moves um and curtis he's got a big crush on gina but gina doesn't gina's like no i'm in love with the pig uh like no well well, yeah she doesn't say that yet i mean he like his his crushes involve him seeing a pretty lady and and proposing marriage on the spot yeah his eyes pop out of his head and he goes (laughs) oh um you know he is uh he 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 his his love is not particularly complicated um so so motivated uh now he he so he goes out they do another they do some more piracy uh and porco is unable to stop them like he he doesn't get called or whatever um so like they they like rob a big ship and then they they like do like a fucking wrestling promo with all their <laughs> with all their their cash like it's straight uh, up like a like an 80s like hollywood hogan like wrestling promo like calling out oh, porco rosso like, yeah porco, we're gonna we're gonna bleep and bleep in your bleep yeah so, we're gonna kick yeah. your ass porco because i'm the cream of the adriatic sea and the cream <laughs> rises to the top brother <laughs> that's that was that was a macho randy savage reference and then i said brother at the end because that's, that's a hulk hogan thing uh, don't worry about it you're mixing your metaphors here uh so yeah so they and like that's that's actually kind of an extremely i hadn't thought about that until just now but that's honestly kind of an extremely good comparison is that like in this world like the relationship between air pirates and bounty hunters is just like it's pure pro wrestling it is it is just like like heels hamming it up and then like and and babyface parker rosa going after them The, the the yeah the 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 stakes are low yeah um so uh after but that they are, pirate... but they are pissed about i mean the biggest stakes is I mean, for curtis is obviously uh gina yeah and then he's uh and the, the funniest thing is yeah he doesn't realize right away that gina is um in love with the pig i mean i'm not sure if she does it 
because like she just learned her third husband's body was found so she's got some processing to do she's Uh, definitely always i I get the sense that she's definitely always been like you know like like they've been kept apart by circumstance and because porco is like he's so distant you know he doesn't want to get anybody involved but she's always you know wistfully gazed at him true yeah he he has that uh that emotional um like disconnect or what's the what's what am i what am i even saying the emotional he he loves he uh, loves uh, and cares about gina and he understands that his lifestyle is so dangerous that uh (laughs) the best way to love and care about her is to to maintain a healthy uh, friendly distance it's 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 the it's the it's the noir dude yeah the tortured tortured it is uh, a very noir thing the, the tortured pilot um but yeah because of that um emotional fucked up in this he is extremely attractive to all the women in the in the hotel they all they all oh yeah the pig. everybody wants to fuck the pig because he's cool he flies a plane he sa- he always saves the day he's handsome he's got a mustache tiny glasses <laughs> Those tiny glasses. The tiny, the glasses are so good. They're so hot. Uh, they're so so funny. So yeah. So then Curtis, after after pulling off this pirate heist, he goes after after Porco, you know, because he's like, I want to prove that I'm a better fighter pilot than him. You know, gets the jump on him and takes out Porco's plane, and he crash lands in a desert island. Well, yeah. I mean, he, Porco had been flying to get his plane repairs. Cause yeah. He got he got he gotten lazy. He'd gotten complacent. Yeah, uh, and so his plane's kind of just ch- chugging along, and then Curtis comes after him, <laughs> and Curtis is like, "Yes, I shot your engine," and Porco's like, "No, it just died." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, Porco crashes on a deserted island, and then he has to go get his plane repaired, um, and uh, so he, uh, so then he goes to Milan. Yeah, so and of course has the requisite noir phone call with Gina, where she's like, yeah. "I can't. I, you're someday you're gonna get yourself killed. I don't. Uh, don't make me come to your funeral." And he's like, "A pig's gotta fly." <laughs> <laughs> she uh, cusses him out and hangs up, and he goes, uh, uh, "Dames, <laughs> tunes." <laughs> Uh, God, they had Porco oh, in in the English dub is uh, is voiced inexplicably by Michael Keaton, uh, yeah. but they should friend, have had him be voiced. Friend of the show, CT, says that he does a very good job. Yeah, I, I can't verify that, but he should have been voiced by Bob Hoskins. <laughs> oh God, the uh, Porco uh, who framed who framed Porco Rosso, <laughs> the crossover. The None crossover the century. <laughs> um, so yeah, so Porco goes to uh, Milan. Of course, the answer is the fascists. Yes. Uh, because... um, so yeah, so the, the the Italian. So like this whole movie is set against a weirdly serious backdrop of like growing Italian fascism, um, and the Italian fascists they don't like the the fun loving. Uh, culture of the Adriatic Sea. They hate all the bounty hunters. They hate all the pirates. They hate all the fun they're having. Uh, and they wanna—they're the—they're the fun police. 
Um, I mean, more more um, relevant to to our hero, Porco's a deserter. Yes. Um, and so Porco so, uh, discreetly uh, avoiding the the secret police, he goes to Milan to meet with uh, Piccolo. Uh, also, today it's as we record this, it is May 9th, which, as we all know, is is Piccolo Day. Oh uh, shit! That's why you delayed it. Um, that is not why I delayed it. Uh, but it's a different Piccolo that we're talking about. He's not. No, he's not green. Not. He's it's like not. a tiny. He's, he's, he's green. <laughs> it's the same Piccolo. This Piccolo, like, he looks like an Earthbound character. Uh, like he's just like this, like tiny little, like old man with like a bunch of wiry hair and like these like huge, thick, round glasses. Um. And um, so do he, he almost looks like an American cartoon character. He does, like yeah, he he. That, that's sort of why I think he looks like an Earthbound character is um, because Are he, Earthbound he, characters, American cartoons. They're very like inspired by that style, you know, like the whole the whole look of Earthbound is like very inspired by like American cartoons and comics and stuff like that, um, because it is after all set in Eagle Land. Eagle, right? <laughs> yeah. In the year in the year nineteen ninety X in Eagle Land. Eagle uh, Land. So yeah, so uh he shows up and he, he learns uh he finds out from Piccolo that like all of his sons have gone elsewhere because it's the Great Depression, there's not a lot of work in Italy. Uh, but he meets Fio, who is Piccolo's granddaughter, and she's cute. She's uh, cute and spunky. And a and, girl. And a girl uh, um, and so and so and so uh, how many times does granddad say don't get any ideas to porco there's basically just the one time like there's the there's it's like sort of subtextual but the, the time that he says it explicitly is when they're like going through like the budget paperwork and he's like uh, yeah. she's she's really cute isn't she and porco's like yep and he's like and he's like don't get any ideas <laughs> Porco's like, I wasn't! I wasn't even. Uh, you but, brought yes. it up. So, so, uh, yeah, so he takes his, 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 his plane by train. Yes. Uh, and, uh, and then by automobile. Uh, uh, inspiring so, that famous fi- uh, comedy film of the, of yes. the late 90s. That's um, not the late 90s. John Candy was dead by the late 90s. That was an 80s film. Fuck! So the the direction of fit is reversed. This was inspired by planes, trains, and automobiles. Ripped in pieces, John Candy. Fuck. Uh, anyway, the point yeah. being, he he shows up, and um, little Theo's there. Then when <clears throat> when the, when he hands over his giant bag of 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 uh, inf- in, inflated to hell cash that uh, can't pay for itself. Uh, a piccolo says, uh, Miguel Theo here is going to be doing your design. And in a, in a, in a brilliant stroke of wordplay, uh, Porco is revealed to be a sexist pig. <laughs> yeah. Cause he's like, cause he's like, she, she's like, do you not want me to do it? Cause I'm younger. Cause I'm a girl. And, and Porco's like, can, can I say both? <laughs> you know, he doesn't ask. He just says it. Yeah. Um, but then Theo stays up all night and draws up plans for the, 
for the for the repairs to the plane and for like an improved design and then he comes in and then porco wakes up in the morning comes in and and takes a look at the plane and it's like all right make a couple of changes and then you can do it uh because he sees like yeah like she's she's really she's dedicated fucking, you know she's she, fucking she flexes, serious but then he tells this. her he tells her some important advice which is don't work all night you need sleep to do good work um, also it'll affect your looks yes uh and porco would know porco would know uh so now we get the um yeah six thousand italian rosie the riveters uh (laughs) show up yeah like the piccolo's entire extended family who aren't like off at war or like out doing some stuff like doing like work in other countries they all descend upon the the place and then they they start building the plane there's a great shot um where um like they're testing out the engine and the propeller and (laughs) piccolo and porco are like standing in this shed and it's spinning so fast the shed is like shaking and they're like the wind is like blowing their faces (laughs) back it's some of the best animation i've ever seen yeah um there's another funny yeah, there's another funny line there at the beginning when they're like all when they're all sitting down to eat before they start um and piccolo says like god forgive me for using women's hands to build a war plane yeah because uh, they all yeah because like they, porco like goes to like eat and then they all and then realizes that everybody else is like joined hands in prayer <laughs> yeah he's he almost skipped grace but it, yeah there's a it reminded me of a line in the wind rises when like the main character is trying to design a faster fighter plane uh and he's giving his little presentation to like the brass about like the the process and he's like uh and so eventually we realized we could meet our goals by removing the guns and they all just like started falling over laughing uh and he's like so we tried a different approach (laughs) um so yeah so they finish they finish building the plane there's like a montage sequence of all of these you know myriad italian women building an airplane um and uh porco starts being more aggressively pursued by the the fascist secret police like he's on the way home from the grocery store or something and and Fio picks him up. No, uh, no, before that the movie theater. Oh yes. Okay, the most important My thing so he goodness. So Porco, I forget the order of events here. Um so Porco goes to the movies to watch like a cartoon and he's sitting there and then he, uh, an old friend of his from the military who's still Ferrari. in the military uh goes to um he sits down next to him um, and starts trying to convince him, like, come back, rejoin the military. You know, we'll we'll forgive you for deserting. You know, we'll stop coming after you. Um, you know, you can, you know, we, we really need a fighter pilot like you. You know, it'll be really good. And and Porco utters, utters the immortal line, better a pig than a fascist. <laughs> yeah, because Farrakhan says something along the lines of, uh, like, this is like, like what kind of life are you living here uh it's like you you're wanted for uh what what are the different charges desertion treason possession of pornography and being a lazy pig being a lazy pig yeah (laughs) 
Yeah. No, it's not possession of pornography. I think the charge is just pornography. <laughs> His existence is pornographic. <laughs> it truly is. That's the women at the Hotel Adriano. Uh, uh, and so, she, yeah, he says, better a pig than a fascist. She, and then later, he, he like, you know, Theo picks him up in the truck, and then they're driving home, uh, and, and they, you know, Porco realizes that they're being tailed by... Uh, by, by the, the secret, secret police. police and so he pulls yeah. some fucking tokyo drift shit in there in their like 1920s italian car uh like he he does a sick drift and, and loses them well he he does he does like he's like there's a full 180 intersection yeah. and so they and then like yeah he like plays he chicken like, with that plays chicken with them and they have to uh steer to the side and crash into a into a a building yeah yeah he like turns one way and then immediately like like pulls the handbrake and like jackknifes the car and spins it 180 and then and then they come around the corner and he's going the other way um yeah uh so yeah Uh, so then they they get home and then they finish building the plane um before we leave the fascists uh like there's another line like along with i'd rather be a pig than a fascist is it an a line earlier in the film where he's uh withdrawing he's cashing the check for his 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 successful bounty oh, yeah. hunt. uh and the bank teller's like gosh it must be must be great to have so much money why don't you donate some to, to like the, Pa- the he, he's like why don't you support your country by buying some patriot bonds yeah and, and parker's like i'm not a person <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> Yeah, support, support, support the like the, your fellow, fellow people or something. Yeah, he's support like, the people by buying some patriot bonds, and he's and he's like, I'm not a person. Uh, and then, and then, yeah, when he's, and he's, Got when he's picking up a new gun, he's, uh, I forget what the context is, but he says laws don't apply to pigs like me, uh, and 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 so it's 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 funny, but it, like it's not like it's also part of kind of Miyazaki's like. I, I like suspicion towards kind of pigs. Uh, <laughs> no, he, <laughs> the pigs are the good ones. But like uh, how how Porco as a non-human has more humanity than like most people, and especially the his, fascists. His kind of his kind of not inconsistent, but am, like ambivalent attitudes towards like humanity and, and 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 technology and progress yeah uh, which you see not yeah not only in his other movies but just like uh, other ghibli films like Great the you Fireflies. also see it i mean like you uh well Great the Fireflies was takahata um, i know but other, i mean i was saying other yeah. ghibli films not yeah. just miyazaki's uh i mean that what that makes me think of is that that really famous clip where like some animate so like programmers are showing yeah Miyazaki, yeah 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 like some like new procedural animation tech that he that they've developed and he just like has this very grim look in his face and he says i feel like that this is an insult to life itself well, it's, it's not it's not procedural it's 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 specifically um like character animation that's modeled that's uh, kind of that's modeled on like h- humans missing certain kind of like limbs and so like uh and and so and so the the guy giving the the pitch is talking about 
how it kind of looks unnatural and uncanny and strange. And then Miyazaki is like, well, I feel right. When, says, I, I, when feel... I see this, I, th- I think of a friend of mine who uh, is like, a, I think a paraplegic and um, like if he were to lose his, 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 his wheelchair or something like if he was trying to move, it would look something like this. And so this, what you're showing me, feels like an insult to him and an insult to, to life itself. Yeah. Uh, and by the and, and like he, he keeps going. By the end of it, the, the the kid's just crying. Like he's never been like torn apart this hard, yeah. especially by, by, is... by someone so like important. Yeah, I mean, and then there's also like the. All the insanely mean shit Miyazaki has said about his son's movies. Oh no! Yeah, so his son Goro Miyazaki is has done a couple of things for Studio Ghibli. He did their their recent like three D animated film, The Earwig and the oh, Witch, which is thing. not very good. Uh, mm-hmm. And he also did like in like two thousand four, two thousand five, he did that uh, adaptation of the the Earth Sea Cycle, um, uh... which that. That story is just tragic because, like, in in the 80s when uh, Ursula K. Le Guin was still writing the Earth Sea Cycle, uh, Hayao Miyazaki, like, reached out to her and was like, hey, I'd really love love to do uh, an animated adaptation of your books. And at the time, Le Guin didn't know anything about anime. She didn't know anything about animation other than what disney made and she didn't like disney's animation so she told him no and then like years later she watched like spirited away and my neighbor totoro and she really loved all that stuff you know and then when it finally came around and like studio ghibli actually made the adaptation it was fucking goro miyazaki who uh and like the movie isn't awful or anything like that but uh hayao miyazaki did walk out of the theater (laughs) during the premiere that's that's and 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 like and the funny thing is, like, of the two kind of Ghibli giants, Takahata is the asshole. <laughs> yeah, ta- <laughs> Takahata is the, the one that's, like, famously a jerk. Uh, yeah, like, there was, uh, like, <clears throat> like a, a Ghibli employee committed suicide at one point, and then, like, at, like, a, at, like, a, it wasn't a, it wasn't a reception, but something like equivalent. Awake? Someone else said, basically... Takahata killed this guy. Yeah. And Takahata was like, you you might be right. <laughs> um anyway, moving on. Uh so yeah, so the plane gets finished. Uh, you know, they they take off and the, they prepare to take off in the early hours in the morning. You know, they open up the the thing. Uh uh before before this, uh Fio like decides to convince Porco that she should be like his R2D2 and like sit in like a little like compartment at the front of the plane (laughs) to do repairs on the plane in flight. Um, And they come up with the plan that like to keep the the secret police off of, off of Piccolo's backs. uh, They should, uh, they're, they're all going to pretend like he, you know, kidnapped them and forced them all to work on his plane. Um, And so they, 
they open the door you know all the women run out and they're like kidnapper you know pay us our money you know well, first he first he throws a big a, big, a little a little fit about taking fia well yes along he does and, he does and, and all sorts of uh, insinuations about how he's an untrustworthy man who might take advantage of her yeah uh, and she's like no 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 and yeah. grandpa's like no 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 they know they know he's full of shit <laughs> and then uh and then eventually he's like all right take one of the guns out uh Cause you're, cause you're, you're, you're fat dumb. ass. What fit the plane? <laughs> you dumpster truck ass. Uh, and then, um, yeah, remember that because it comes, it, it matters later. <laughs> Chekhov's ass. Theo's big butt. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. So they they open the 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 garage door and then the fa- the fascists are like firing at the plane and they go down the canal and they're like speeding down the canal and trying to trying to take off and there's like a cool sequence where um you know they're they're trying to like use the canal next to the thing as as a runaway and while they're being chased by the secret police and they you know there's a lot of great water animation it's it's good. It's good stuff. It's good shit. Um and so uh so so uh they do something with 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 tabs which a uh, friend of the show bobby says is technically yes. incorrect they they talk uh, about how the plant has trim tabs now and it's technically inaccurate but who cares um and then they magic take off uh and then we get some fucking beautiful uh like flying uh montage yeah it's good good stuff it's it is it is the good shit like um, just just this movie is so beautiful yeah i mean like like, like the thing is is that this movie like because the reason we decided to watch this movie because we watched red line last month and the plot structure of red line reminded me a lot of the plot structure of porco rosso in that like but and and a thing that's interesting is that like the same thing happens in like in Redline. What happens is is there's a there's an intense racing montage at the beginning, and then a long sequence where no racing occurs, and then a bunch of racing at the end. And <laughs> Porco Rosso has the same structure. There's a bunch. There's like a bunch of like plane flying at the beginning, and then we get the plane gets destroyed, and then it's a lot of talking. It's a lot of you know, build, rebuilding the plane, building things back up, and then there's the big, and then there's like that big flying montage at the end, and then the big dogfight at the end. Um, and I mean, one is that like the the section of this movie that involve that does not involve plane flying is much shorter than the section of Red Line that is just people standing around talking at each other. And also, it's good. Yeah, like like. I wish I I because I I'm I'm thinking like now like well what is the difference between these two like why does it work in Porco Rosso and it doesn't work in Redline and the answer is that it's just good here like the dialogue like, is good the characters are likable the plot the like the stakes make sense and are yeah. communicated in, a, in in like effectively you know like it's, like like we said before this like this isn't super nothing is ever like super high stakes life or death but like it we still care because we like the characters and we yeah. want them to like succeed. Yeah. And the stakes uh, are most importantly, like communicated effectively. So it doesn't matter necessarily. Yeah, it, like, like the world isn't going to end. Funky boy isn't going to go berserk and destroy the planet. But, um, I think we've talked about a lot about like, about kind of move, like narrative structure. Like I, a while back, we were complaining about how kind of the, the rise of the kind of the prestige TV has mm. turned, everything into kind of these like long character studies and how 
a lot of and how movies now seem to be suffering because they're, because they're too long and the characters they, they are try they try they try to they try to um, bring what people like from these prestige TV shows the like char- character studies and I don't think it's just prestige TV I think it's also like the proliferation of superhero movies which come over from comic mm. books and comic books are a medium that lend themselves really well to characterization they're very text heavy they're serialized yeah. you know you have a lot of time in a given writer's run with Batman to get to know their version of Batman and to get to like that character, you know, and, and you just can't bring that into a movie. You have to rely a lot on people's existing notions of who Batman is, which and instead of doing that, which is what made the, which is what makes the best superhero movies good, you know, stuff like actually pretty much all of, all of all of the good superhero movies are Spider-Man movies. The first two Sam Raimi <laughs> Spider-Man movies and um, uh, Spider-Verse is that while, yeah, they, they have like origin story stuff in them, they're not concerned with like packing in every single detail of Spider-Man that people might be attached to from the comics. Yeah. They, the, they the, know you're the... coming in with that information because you're a fan of Spider-Man. You're going to see the Spider-Man movie. You like Spider-Man. You know, you know all of that stuff. So they don't actually have to put it in the movie. You already know it. You right. know. It, the kind of the narrowly scoped plot beats are what's are what's important, and like yeah. the world building is is backgrounded. Like uh, David Mamet sucks, but uh, <laughs> like he, his book on directing film is actually pretty good. And yeah, he talk like at one point he talks about how like like it doesn't really like the stakes can be like as like as low as you want. Like yeah. all you need to do is like show us a character trying to do something. Yeah, and make we us almost care. immediate. We almost immediately, like, start rooting for them. Yeah, and, and David so, Mamet does suck, but he did. He did write my single favorite line of dialogue from any movie ever, which is in Heist. Uh, the line: "Everybody wants money. That's why they call it money." <laughs> which is it's so dumb, but it's also it's so dumb. It wraps around in his genius. I didn't know he wrote. Uh... Yes, he wrote and directed Heist. Okay, so yeah, yeah, the only, the only thing, like I've, I've only seen the movie adaptation of Glengarry Glenn Ross. I, uh, I haven't seen his other actual, actual film stuff. Yeah, uh, Heist is all right. I, I also like Glengarry Glenn Ross, and I, and, and I like American Buffalo a lot. Uh, that play is great. Uh, but where uh, were we? Oh, right. So yeah. So the the kind of inter the 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 interplane period of the film as that mirrors the interwar period of the <laughs> go uh, fuck yourself of the of the setting itself is great because it's part of a, a plot that is kind of while it's low stakes it's 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 simple it's easy to understand it makes a root for the characters uh, and so now we are in uh, a beautiful, beautifully animated flying yeah. montage. And uh, like the, uh, I was going to say something else about Redline and, and Porco Rosso. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. Like the thing is, is that like with Porco Rosso, like we were talking about superheroes and like how you already come in with so much knowledge. Like even if you've never read a Spider-Man comic, like just because you live in a world where Spider-Man exists, you have, knowledge about who spider-man is so you don't need a lot about a lot about like spider-man explained to you um the way that a normal movie that doesn't have that gets away with it is that like like literally as soon as we see porco rosso we know his deal 
because the first <laughs> shot we see of him is of him in a like lounge chair on the beach with a magazine like draped over his face sleeping and like sleeping through his phone ringing like we immediately <laughs> know everything we need to know about porco rosso without him ha- without anybody having to speak a word mm-hmm. You know, we just immediately understand what his deal is, and it's the same thing with all the characters in this movie. You know, we through their animation, through the through their character design, through all of that stuff, we immediately, you know, you you see Gina. You know, the first time you see Gina, she's on stage. You see how everybody reacts to her. Uh, You immediately know who she is. You immediately like you see Theo. You see what she's wearing. She's Ronald McDonald. (laughs) (laughs) Same deal. It's just brilliant characterization from one, like character to the next, um, and you you see the you see the the sixteenth one sixteenth Italian, this is fucking little mustache. You're like this is this is an American who wishes he wasn't. Uh, yeah, that mustache screams. I wish I was an American. <laughs> uh, uh, and so and so yeah. So uh, I like actually fun, saying, funny thing about, funny thing saying, about Curtis. They keep saying he's like, like one sixteenth Italian, or they say that he's like one sixteenth Italian, and they also like they make a point that he's American. He is the Frenchest looking man of all time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we we were, we were talking uh, because I didn't realize that he was actually like deliberately modeled after Lindbergh, uh, and I was like, did Ronald Reagan ever have a mustache <laughs> like that? Because I was getting big Ronald Reagan vibes from this motherfucker. Yeah, I mean, like he uh, he's sort of an amalgam of who, a number. Of ironically. Different- did not want to stop being an American. Regret. Uh, yeah, he he's like uh, Curtis is an amalgam of a number of different like sort of like golden age of Hollywood like leading men, but in particular he is he is very much like he is very much Howard Hughes. He's very much uh, Charles Lindbergh, and then like an amalgamation of like that with like Clark Gable. Uh, in particular, like like the mustache is like a big Clark Gable energy. Mm. Uh, which like man we let a guy with that mustache be like the hottest guy in hollywood huh <laughs> uh, oh lord um yeah like there's definitely like, he's like pulling a number of different sort of sort of reference reference points yeah. um for for his character um but yes, anyway, so that yeah, so then after the gorgeous flying montage, they land to refuel, um, and Porco um you know, goes in and talks to like the guy behind the counter and he finds out that like the fascist government is like hiring some of the, the seaplane pirates and, and and he's gonna be put out of business soon. Um and um you know, we get some we get some banter back and forth between between Porco and Fio, and Fio like complains about how much they're charging for uh, uh, how much they're charging for gas, and then the guy like the like the gas boy who's bringing them their gas is like, it's because we don't water it down. Girls are so stupid. Um, you know, um, which like I as much as we we talk about how this movie is like Hayao Miyazaki's two interests are like airplanes and like girls who are sick of your shit. Um, you know, like that's, that's like he, he gives like young girls like starring roles in a, a number of his movies, especially a yeah. lot of his best ones. And he is, 
that's one of the best things about his writing is just like the way that he is like very insistent on like giving women roles and women and girls like roles and agency in movies and in movie genres where they would traditionally be sidelined yeah, uh, yeah. you know and, and Fio is absolutely in the same mold as like kiki from kiki's delivery service or chihiro from spirited away um of, of that sort of character um but almost like that sort of character like at the end of one of those movies after they've gone through like their character transformation yeah, like like, Fio, yeah, like there's there's a different movie about fio becoming the person she is in porco rosso <laughs> yeah yeah um, yeah because yeah she, she already she already uh is fully confident in her abilities yeah uh, by the time porco shows up which lets her stand up to him and his his bullshit yeah his his his, his being a chauvinist pig um, hey! um yeah so then they go to uh porco's like little island cove secret hideout thing uh where uh a bunch of pirates bust out of porco's tent like they're all stuffed in there like like they're in a clown car um they've they've come for payback yes Uh, and then they see a cute girl yes and as if they were like a bunch of twitter stands they just go completely ape shit yes they start they they start simping hard <laughs> uh and so i believe that is so the first time the so word simp has been used on this podcast which i can so they're like an accomplishment <laughs> so they're we're gonna bust up your plane porco and then uh yeah Fio gives she's this like whole, like long monologue. what yeah, she gives this whole like long monologue about how like you know seaplane pilots are the some of the the finest people in the world. You know they don't they don't care about money or women. They care about honor and talks them. You know gives this whole like complete horseshit talk to all these guys and talks them out of smashing up the plane. Um, uh, yeah, then they're like, okay, well we're just let's just beat the shit out of the pig, and she's like, no, haven't you been listening? You have to beat him in the sky yeah um so they agree to a well, that, dog don't know oh, well what, curtis what, shows up curtis sh- how, how does he show up he shows up in the greatest possible manner which is that he is like f- like spread out like wedged he, himself he, into well, like he, a crevice in the wall like a like a hundred feet up yeah in this cliff <laughs> yeah Ha-ha! yeah and then he like scrambles down and then jumps into like a front flip and like lands and like wobbles and then stands up straight it's a really good bit of like visual characterization yeah um because like the thing is is that like even though curtis is like the antagonist of the movie uh he's so like he's such a weird character because it's not like he's He's not like a horrible person or anything like that. He's uh, he's a he's he's a himbo who never really like yeah learned how women work. Yeah, he's just like kind of an, a weird, arrogant like jerk, but like not in like a way where it's like like this guy needs to get his ass kicked. Like he kind of needs to get his ass kicked a little bit, but like he, he just he just needs to get he just needs to get a uh, 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 a little tap on the head, which Gina gives him, which we forgot about because I. Um, we are, oh, that's what I thought I was, this whole time I was like, what have I forgotten? What have I forgotten? What have I forgotten? Uh, and what I forgot was his conversation with Gina in her garden. Yes. Uh, so after, after Porco, um, is flying from Milan to his hideout, he, he does a flyby on, 
the Hotel Adriano. And Gina is there, and, and our, our boy, our boy Curtis, has snuck into the garden to yeah. show to show Gina that he got a call back for a, for a movie. Uh, and, it, and, and he's like, uh, marry me. I'll take you to Hollywood uh, and I'll become a movie star. And she's like, and then what? The president of the United States of yeah. America. That's where the real like Lindbergh shit comes in. Um. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, and then she, she just starts fucking laughing yeah. and she wipes her eyes and goes oh oh you're stupid i like that in a man it's so good and like i, I i've been I've, I've seen that in that line in like memes recently and i'd forgotten where it was originally from <laughs> so i was so glad to finally kind of come full circle yeah uh, um yeah and so she's, she's, she's like i like that in a man and he's like really <laughs> and, she, yeah, and she's and- like She's like, well, I would, I, I could come to America, but I'm gambling right now. I'm waiting to see if uh, he'll he'll stop in and and come come here where I'm waiting. But all he does is come at night. Stupid. And then <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Porco she's flies over. For, she's for, like, yeah. Up. Oh, I lost again. Yeah, she it's wants like, Porco to come. You're waiting for the pig. Yeah. Yeah. And then she's like, all right, sorry, kiddo. My, my favorite Velvet Underground song, Waiting for the Pig. <laughs> uh, uh, and yes, so that, so yeah, so that happens. Uh, and then we get the whole Curtis thing. Curtis comes down and then... Um, so he, so he, he, so here he's just, he's nursing uh, a real grizzly bear of a rejection. Yes. And so he decides that he's going to, he's basically, he's like trying to impress Gina by challenging Porco to another... To another duel, but also yeah. then sees Fio and, and Auga intensifies. Yeah, he has yeah, like he has like the object permanence of like a an infant. Um, <laughs> uh, it's, it's it's true. It really is true. So yeah. So then Curtis is like. So then they make they they make a bet, which is that um, if if Porco wins the dog fight, then uh, Curtis pays off all of Porco's uh, debts to Piccolo's company. Uh, and if uh, Curtis wins the dogfight, then Curtis gets to marry Fio. Um, yeah. And so Porco's just looking on in horror as this whole thing is arranged. Yeah. And then uh. and then all the pirates, meanwhile, are like <laughs> completely switched allegiances because they are all like, well, they're, they're all, all like ride or, ride or die for Fio now. They're, they're, all they're just all... They're just all her dad, though, uh, and 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 once, and once it they, is once... like that. The massive crowd of pirates all simping for Fio is like the clearest visual representation of Twitch chat I've ever seen. <laughs> but they, unlike unlike Twitch chat, these guys are just just want to protect her. Uh, yeah, and yeah. Hayao Miyazaki <laughs> invented Twitch chat in 1992. <laughs> Because yeah, like uh, later when when uh, Curtis is like, "We're gonna be married immediately," all the pirates just like sticking get yeah. their tongue at him. <laughs> uh, yeah, everybody. Like, but I'm getting like, ahead of myself. Yes. Um, so yeah. So so, then so yeah. The pirates so and Curtis shake all hands, leave. And then Theo 
poor Theo has been basically having a panic attack this entire time because she no, just escaped her fucking life. No, Theo says, ah, shit. And then Parker's like, what? And then she's like, I should have padded the bill. Well, that was, that's afterwards. But remember, first she starts shaking and she's like, holy shit, my heart was going like a mile a minute. And I got, like, uh, no, she has a straight up panic attack. I don't in, remember in that at all. There. Uh, yeah, so so they leave, and he's like, uh, Theo, you all right? Uh, and she's like, I just, my heart just started uh, going like crazy. Uh, my heartbeat started being so fast I couldn't breathe. I was really scared. Uh, and, and that's when she says, my knees are all wobbly. Uh, and that's when she runs off and goes swimming. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and then she says, ah, shit, I just realized we should have padded the bill. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. She, no, she bounces back quick, but... Yeah. Uh, uh, and then that evening, Porco is, like, polishing all of his bullets individually. Um, well, he's not, I mean, he's just checking for bad ones. Yes. Uh, uh, and uh, and Fio, like, wakes up and is like, tell me a... St-, and, and Fio, like, wakes up and then, like, sees briefly... Like a vision of what Porco looked like before he was transformed into a pig. Does uh, she? Does she, is it a vision or does she? Or does does he? Is he I think it's ambiguous pig? as yeah. to whether or not it literally happens. I, I mean, well, yeah, we'll talk. We'll talk about the spell, as Gina calls it. Yeah, I mean, like, like one of my favorite things about this movie is that it sets up very early on, like, oh, P- Porco used to be a man, and then he was transformed into a pig. And, like, in any other movie, that would be the plot of this movie, is that, like, at the end, he would get transformed back into a man from a pig. And then the movie I mean, just kind of drops he, it, and it never comes up again. <laughs> well, I mean, no, he does. Uh, at, at, at the end, Curtis is like, wait, your face, let me see your face. Uh, and he's like, no, go away, your plane's over there. Um, I didn't interpret that as him having f- transformed back. I interpreted that as as Curtis having seen the same thing as Fio, but not necessarily that he had fully transformed. Mm, okay. Uh, well, it's possible. Anyway, I mean, like, like that—that's a sensible interpretation, I think. Yeah. But, like, anyway, we're we're getting ahead of ourselves. So I think it depends. Uh, I I I I actually sorry. don't remember if we see him again. We don't. Uh, no, 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 like, no, I, like, sorry, um, I, I feel like, like, we don't see his, like, like, because obviously we don't see him again, we just see his plane after the end sequence, right, um, but do we see any part of him in between when Curtis looks at him and when he gets into his plane? We just see him way, from a shot way up and from behind, so uh, there's no way to tell. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, then we bring up the movie and I will check while we discuss what happens next. So, yeah. Um, so, so yeah, Fia, Fia is like, tell me a story. Uh, and this scene is so fucking good. It's so good. Like, like, this is what elevates the movie from like a really good romp to like a goddamn movie. So he's telling <laughs> a story about, uh, about when, um, Kind of, he he lost his plane in the war and lost um, Berlini, his friend and one of Gina's husbands. And so, first, it has this incredible transition. So it cut. It's a scene of them like flying back to the front or wherever f- from Gina's wedding. So he got, so Berlini got married, and then had to immediately go back to the front or to wherever it was. 
and then like I, it's so interesting this how it's there's no actual cut from this kind of idyllic flying of him and his him and his best bro uh six meters apart because they're flying planes uh and and the dogfight so it's yeah. it's just it's it, in the music that kind of the 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 kind of the serene music continues and it seamlessly transitions into this incredibly violent uh dogfight between between the italians and i don't know uh world war one I. I actually forget <laughs> what side italy was on in that war <laughs> they were part uh i don't know anyway it doesn't matter um, Every, but, everyone yeah, was like, kind of fighting every it was like <laughs> oh world war Two was like kind of sensible world war one was just was, like was, world war one was like the scene at the end of this movie where curtis and and uh Parker are just it. like punching each other the original battle royale uh it's just like anyway guys so, yeah, they, there's, no there's, some, there's something in there about like how how the kind of the nature of of flight has been inextricably tied up with war or something I'm not sure if I want to if I want to kind of get too uh, too galaxy brained on this. Sunday what do you mean? Night. Can you can you repeat that? Oh, how kind of like how the kind of the development of flight has been tied up with war, yeah. uh, and how like Porco's plane never stops being a war plane. Yeah, uh, and, and how there is there aren't there aren't kind of clear distinctions in his life. Uh, like that yeah like there is an undercurrent to this movie like i think what what elevate what definitely elevates this movie above just being like a fun adventure movie is just this sort of undercurrent of like darkness um with like the growing italian fascism and that scene and this this scene that we're talking about of 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 you know reflecting on on the aftermath of world war one because like um and i think uh, I think I've mentioned this play before on this podcast, uh, which is uh, The Trojan War Will Not Take Place, which is a play uh, about it's it's so it, it is a it's a play set like in the lead up to the Iliad. Um, mm-hmm. And it is and like it, it was a play it was written, I think, during World War Two or in like the interwar period, like around there. And it is essentially about it's a play about uh the characters attempting to avoid the trojan war which we the audience being familiar with the iliad know is going to happen anyway um you know and that is something that sort of hangs over this movie uh is the fact that we know what happens after this movie ends is world war ii god now i want to recommend life after life again (laughs) I, i already have in a previous podcast you know, so, um, yeah, yeah, and so and so, yeah, that and just kind of more broadly, Miyazaki's kind of profound like hatred of war, yeah, is an important part of of this film, like all of his films. Yeah, um, you know, which it, like it would have been, I think, easy to make this film in a way that doesn't acknowledge its setting or its place in history because like oh it's an alternate history sort of thing like it's just wacky like we need to take but like the movie has like the courage to make an integral part of its plot the fact that like fascism is growing in italy and like we're not going to show it or talk about it directly but we're fully aware that like the thing that happens next after this story is really bad um oh actually that's 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 made me figure out what book to recommend. So yes, good shit. But yeah, so the, and the, and this scene is 
incredible. So he he's he's talking about how he got caught in this fight and how he saw all his friends dying and then how the world went white and we see his plane kind of emerge on the on on this like cloud prairie, I think Fio calls it. Yeah. And then he it's like it's just completely empty, blue sky and then there's a white cloud beneath him. And then slowly you see all the other planes uh, from that dogfight rising up through the cloud. And he sees Berlini, uh, who just got married, and he sees all the people on the other side of the war. And then way above him, what looks kind of like a trail of cloud, you see that it's like every pilot who's ever died in this like like street, this river yeah in the sky and all his friends are are rising up to join it it's it's a bizarre thing but it's like every time i see it it's just it's it's incredible really effective and yeah he's just watching everyone else kind of kind of leave him behind in a sense yeah and for what it's worth i i just looked at the end of the movie again you're totally right he totally does turn back uh into a human at the end of the movie but that actually reminds me of the end of kiki's delivery service which is actually different in the english dub versus the japanese dub um because in the english dub they decided to make the ending more magical by keeping um by giving Gigi an extra line that he doesn't have in the original Japanese. In the original Japanese, he just meows. Because the thing that happens, <laughs> the, the thing that happens in Kiki's delivery service is that Kiki loses her magical powers, which is one of the ways it manifests is that she uh, stops being able to communicate with her cat. Um, <gasps> and at the end of the movie, in the Japanese version, in the original ending, there is, it's not like super explicit, but it's sort of implied that like, she's moved past even needing her magical abilities at all to feel like a complete person um and she and so like by having Gigi not talk by having Gigi go back to just being a cat then i could not be a full person if i lost the ability to talk to cats (laughs) um yeah but but that sort of like very almost sort of subtle subtle ending um remind reminds me of that in, in a lot of ways but yeah like and i think that 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 crystallizes i guess what porco's like character arc is in this movie which is going from being a person who he's not it's not that he's incapable of caring about anybody but it's that he perceives him he maintains a distance from everybody in part because of his experiences in the war and his his experiences yeah. leading him to believe that if you care about somebody, they will be taken away from you. Yeah, yeah, because at the end of his story to, to Theo, uh, so he sees all his friends going to heaven or hell. He's not sure which. Yeah. And then he sinks back down and wakes up on the, o- uh, on the ocean and Theo says, well, it was God telling you it's not your time. And Porco says... I think it was him telling me I al- I always fly alone. Um, yeah. The other thing that that uh, that uh, bit reminds me of is, uh, and I joked about this when we were watching last night, but I don't think anybody know. I don't think anybody picked up on it, which is an old Akewood comic, uh, uh, where <laughs> <laughs> this old Akewood 
comic that I've, I've brought up now where Philippe is like, Liebot, I can't sleep. Will you tell me a fairy tale? And Liebot says, sure, little guy, get under the covers. And says, okay, then. There's this Dutch kid, and he sees water leaking out of a dike, so he sticks his finger to the leak to stop it. Unfortunately, pretty soon his finger dies, and the rest of him dies, too. He's little, and it's so very, very cold. Sorry, true. Anyhow, the next morning, the priest sees the boy, and it turns out he's not all the way dead. Not in general. <laughs> his father is furious with him for not coming home, and in a blind rage, he burns their house down. And then Philippe is like, but but his mom was nice to him, right? And Liebot's like, woo, definitely not. She screamed at him so loud and long that blood came out of her mouth and her tear ducts. The doctors had to send her to be killed. The end. No moral. <laughs> wow. Incredible. Thanks, Liebot. Thanks, Liebot. <laughs> Thanks, Liebot. Uh, but, yeah, then she then she's like, Porco, I think you're a good person. I'm glad you're still here. Give him a little kiss on the cheek and goes to bed. And he blushes like a sailor. Yeah. Uh, and then this is when Fio catches her glimpse of, of Porco's true face. No, no that was before. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, that was before he told but Yeah, but like in this sequence. Is when oh, yes, before. yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, so then the next day they all go the great out race yes That's... they all go out to some like uh, some abandoned island and they set up and there's like a huge crowd and the pirates are all like taking bets um and it's party time um you know porco and curtis they they meet and then you know curtis like sticks out his hand to shake and i, I forget what porco <laughs> says but he says something really mean he, yeah he's just like i, I uh I want to keep my hands clean or something. Yeah, something like that. And so then they get into the, um, you know, there's there's some there's top bants in this in this sequence. Oh yeah, and then but yeah, and then uh, the crowd is getting rowdy, and the pirates are like, every like everyone uh, cheer for Theo, our beloved Theo, and then like they're not listening, so <laughs> they just. Fire guns into the crowd. Shooting on the crowd. Like, one guy shoots a machine gun over their heads. Everybody starts screaming. (laughs) Just throws a grenade. Yeah, like a World War II, like, stick grenade. (laughs) Like, now that the the, the feel respect levels are are adequate. We can continue. The only the only woman respecting Jews is bullets. And so, yeah, this this part is just some some good fucking flying. Yeah, so they have, like, this long dog fight, and Porco doesn't want to, like, kill Curtis, and so he's trying to, like, stretch it out for a long time so that he can get, like, a good, a good shot and just take out his engine. Um... Yeah, so he he kind of he kind of uh, drags Curtis around to waste all his bullets. Yeah, and then both their guns jam. Well, well, Cur- so, Curtis, so is, Curtis, Curtis runs w- out of bullets. Yeah, yeah. Then Porco's gun jams because of uh, Chekhov's ass. Yes, Fia's Fia's fat had ass fucked up the gun. Cause, yeah, he had to remove one gun, and then she like bent the other one out of alignment or something. Yeah, and so he can't shoot, and so uh, they they. They move to a, a, a new. Yeah, they fly around uh, a bit more, and they come into land. Yeah, and then they just. Oh no! Stand. They throw all the shit. They throw all that oh, shit yeah. at each other. Yeah, they just start throwing stuff. <laughs> just with all the tra- all the trash in their cockpit. They just like start chucking it at each other. 
it's yeah it's it's extremely good um, yeah, and once they're out of shit to throw they land and start fist fighting in the water yeah they just start beating the crap out of each other and it turns so into a boxing funny. match like someone finds a, a little bell yeah. and they no, they, they get and, <laughs> they get out like a, a, a like a, a steel pot and then bang on it <laughs> and then yeah they, 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 they in, between, in between rounds that gargle wine <laughs> yes they both get like a half a bottle of wine poured into them <laughs> and all, all all this time uh gina has been chilling at, has been chilling at her her hotel because she's intercepting a message from uh the italian air force which hap- actually happens to be from their bro ferrarine from the movie theater and he's like yo Yo, girl, uh, the Air Force is coming. Uh, tell all your all your pals to to beat it. And so she goes off to to sound the alarm, and turns up just as our two uh, um, boxers. What was that phrase? I was trying to find the etymology for the other no day. Idea. All right. Well, if it comes up again, anyway, they're having a real a real punch out, uh, and then and then they both both Porcoroso and Curtis could easily be Mike Tyson's punch out characters. Oh, absolutely. And so and so to try and get an edge and rattle rattle our Porco, Curtis is like, "You have to choose Gina or Theo." Uh, you fucking Don Juan. Porco's like, you're the Don Juan chasing every skirt you see. Uh, and Chris is like, Gina is in love with you. And Porco's like, what? 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 Wait, what? Wait, what? Wait, what? Wait, what? Wait, what? And goes all red. <clears throat> and then Curtis gives him a real... Oh, a slobber knocker is the phrase. That was. Yeah. This fight is a real slobber knocker. They both punch each other simultaneously and both get knocked out and then fall under the water. Uh, is, oh, yeah, yeah. But uh, and then and then and then Gina lands. Yeah. Almost almost runs them over <laughs> in her in her in her uh, water plane. Uh, and then she's like, Marco, which is Porco's human name. Yeah, and he, he comes out of water and goes polo. Uh, <laughs> so it's yeah. So yeah. So uh, they're both uh, they're both underwater. The ref, the the referee is kind of doing the count, uh, and then but because he sees Gina, he gets up and wins the fight and saves uh, Theo from the worst fate imaginable. <laughs> and uh, yeah. it, and immediately yeets her. <laughs> Into Gina's, Gina's plane. It, it, yeah, so so he gets the money. Uh, everyone's celebrating, and he's just like, "Hey, right, Theo, get the fuck out of here!" Uh, and she's like, "Stop being an asshole!" And Gina's like, "Porco, stop being an asshole!" Uh, and he's like, "Sorry." And he's like, "Show yourself, coward! I will never stop being an asshole." <laughs> and then, yeah, Gina's like, "You keep doing this, Marco. It's not fair." And it's as they as they as they take off, uh, Theo leans out of the boat and gives him a, a smacker right on the lips, a kiss, not a not a punch. Although that would be justified as well. <laughs> he's uh, taken enough. He's taken enough. At the end, because immediately after she kisses him, the 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 one of the yes, fins of the plane <laughs> just bonks him. <laughs> it's he's, yeah, he's there all day. He's, um, that he just got a smoochy smooch 
and then just absolutely bonked. Yeah, and then he gets up, and we don't see his face as he gets up, and then Curtis looks at him and is like, holy crap, and then he, like, Porco, like, walks away, and he's doing that, you know, like, when you're in the shallow end of a pool and you're trying to walk fast? <laughs> yeah, it's exactly that walk. It's exactly that uh, walk. Um, and so it's, so it's funny, because uh, early earlier, when uh, Fia was talking to his talking a bit about being a pig she's like how does break do you need is do, yeah should i kiss you and he's like what although <laughs> what 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 and she's like yeah that, that works in the fairy tales you you kiss the frog and they become a prince yeah and then uh but of course we actually don't know whether it was getting kissed or getting bonked by an airplane that uh or 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 realizing that gina loves him and that or uh, getting he... punched enough by curtis <laughs> Right. Yeah. It, 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 there's there's no real fact of the matter as to like what whether it's just him realizing that I think people it's, love I think him. It's, and I think it's pretty clearly Theo's kiss, like that that does it. Um, maybe, but like, like in, like in in the logic of of a movie, like the thing that happens is that he gets kissed by Theo and then he immediately gets up and and his face is different. Like, and we see right. his face I, as I, I Theo mean, kisses him and I he's mean, still I, a pig. Like, like that's very deliberate in kind of kind of following along with Fia's line about the fairy tale, but yeah. I mean, but because because we talked about how like like I think it's deliberately kind of muddled a little bit. Yeah, it, it, uh, it's definitely deliberately like um, it's it's supposed to be less about like the mechanics of like this curse, like specifically in universe, like how diegetically does this magic work. And more yeah. about the character transformation that he has undergone to allow him to stop being a pig. Exactly, and and that character transformation isn't entirely due to Theo. Like yeah. it's it's, and so and so. And like, let me let me say, I'm so glad they we do see his face, but like they don't make a whole like in a, in the Disney movie, you know, <laughs> like in Beauty and the Beast. This is the worst part of Beauty and the Beast. Like, I don't particularly like Beauty and the Beast because I don't really like any Disney movies, but the worst part of Beauty and the Beast is absolutely we've spent the whole movie, like, learning to love this beast, you know, as he is uh, and for who he is. And then they kiss at the end and he falls through loves and he just turns into, like, some guy. <laughs> like, like, has there ever been a person who has gotten to the end of Disney's Beauty and the Beast and when the beast transforms into just fucking that guy, is it, like, <laughs> so disappointed? <laughs> so frankly I'm, I'm glad that this movie doesn't make like a whole show of like look at how handsome he is and cool right. he is now that he's not right. a pig right yeah um, because we saw he had mad game as a pig oh yeah so it wasn't it wasn't the uh, it, it, being a pig of... was not an impediment <laughs> uh... <laughs> but, yeah let's, uh, let's let's leave it at that yeah uh, like if it, it, like considering how how the ladies behaved when he was a pig, if they saw him, that's why he hides his face and he disappears. Because if anybody saw him when he wasn't a pig, their pants are already off. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, and so it would, it would well, be because, dangerous so, to the nation of Italy for him to right. to spread horniness so rampantly. Right, that, and that's part of Fia's little uh, epilogue. She, so she she takes over the narration and it talks about how uh, she didn't actually see Porco again. Um, she and Gina became bros, and then she went back to Milan and took over um, Piccolo Picasso's business, uh, and became a, a total badass. 
Uh, and then she's like, as for whether Gina's bet ever came true, well, I'll leave that up to your imagination. Let me tell you, my pants are already off. <laughs> so, so yeah, so, um, so like we know that like Theo and Porco don't get together, thank God. Uh, but as to like it, it's. I think it's more likely than not that he and Gina do, but it's yeah. obvi- like it's 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 not supposed. It's obviously supposed to be. Uh, is not really a fact of the matter in the text. Yeah, it's like it's a wink and a nudge. Like you know, you did it, but it's not important. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, because what was important was everything that came up that made made that scenario even possible. Yeah, uh, and that is Porco Rosso, uh, a great movie that you should watch. It um, kicks ass. Yeah, I this is actually the now probably the Studio Ghibli movie that I have probably seen the most. And, uh, it, and this might is this the most unambiguously good shit we have watched on this podcast? Uh it's definitely the one that neither of us have said anything bad about. Um, right. Like, I mean like like, like Evangelion I is yeah. Evangelion is like a more important and kind of more like like more rich for analysis. Yeah. Um I would but, argue that Millennium Actress is a better movie than this, but you mm-hmm. had some complaints about the ending of that movie. I yeah, I, I'm I'm a little I'm a little kind of uh, uh, unsure about about bits of it. Yeah, I'm trying to think of of like literally anything else that we've watched that's that's even in the same ballpark. Like it, it's literally, I feel like literally it's only Millennium Actress is the only movie that's in the same ballpark as this. Um, you know, and, and and Millennium Actress actually, honestly, kind of strikes a similar tone. I mean, okay, well, in a different in a different sense, Game of the Fireflies. Yes. Uh, oh yeah, I mean, yeah which yeah. is like it's a goddamn masterpiece. It's heartbreaking. Yeah, uh, Game of the Fireflies like, not... was so hard to talk about because it's just like like it made it's... me feel unqualified to talk about it. Yeah, it's it's, like, it's... we're just like it, I've never been thrown into sharper relief how we're just two goobers on the internet who have no business. <laughs> having any opinions <laughs> right yeah like with with great of the fireflies all you could like you could do like a close reading of kind of the brilliant like cinematic techniques that they use or you can do a deep dive into like the like the history of japan in world war ii but what you can't do is just riff on it yeah whereas this movie like this movie is fun to talk about because it's really good it's got a sort of light tone you know there's jokes and stuff like that like we can you know, but yeah, this this movie's just really good. But yeah, like, if I were to compare it to anything we'd watched previously, it would probably be Millennium Actress, and then it strikes a similar tone of, like, a an adventurous jaunt with a sort of dark underbelly. Mm-hmm. Um, That's fair. Uh, and obviously, it, it like, it, I can connect it very clearly to Redline, because it's the last thing we watched, and Redline just reminded me so much of this movie, just, like, <laughs> failing. I, 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 I could be watching Porco Rosso right now. Yeah. Redline fails in every single way this movie succeeds. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's embarrassing for the people who made Red Line, like comparing these movies back to back, um, you know, because this, this movie is just, it nails, the the only, the only only thing Red Line has going for it is its looks and it doesn't look as good as this movie. Yeah, exactly. Like, like Red Line is a movie that like, it's, it went all in on having a really compelling style of animation and it's just like, it's. It pales in comparison to what Studio Ghibli does in one of their lesser masterpieces, you know? Like, this movie doesn't... Never comes up when people talk about, like, the great Ghibli movies, even though it's fantastic and it totally deserves to, you know? But, like, like looking at this movie, it's just, like, it's... 
And it, it, it makes it all the more tragic that, like, you know, Hayao Miyazaki, Isao Takahata's dead. Hayao Miyazaki's gonna die soon. You know, we're left with fucking Goro Miyazaki. Like, I would, having seen clips and stuff from the Earwig and the Witch, like, I would rather Studio Ghibli stop existing than that they oh, make God. movies like that. Oh, uh, to, to be, to God. put on my most Miyazaki. Miyazaki, yeah, like, he's already been ethered by his dad. You don't need a, he's, he's already dead, Cass! Um, you know, and, and it's not, it's not Goro's fault, you know, it's, it's just that, like, I, it's the same thing with, you know, like, like, Studio Ghibli has made some of the best animated movies of all time, you know, even lesser Ghibli masterpieces like Porco Rosso are, in my opinion, leagues better than the best stuff Disney has ever made. Oh, yeah, Um, for sure. You know, like, it's, they're just so much better and more interesting and like they're just better in every way from what you see in you know and like you can compare this movie like i was comparing it to beauty and the beast like you draw a line between this movie and beauty and the beast and like beauty and the beast is just kind of baby shit you know like this <laughs> yeah. is a movie that can be enjoyed by a child you could show a child this movie and they'd love it it's great it's got airplanes it's got adventure it's it's really fun um but you know us two adults can still have a great time watching and talking about it you know adult and like disney fans could never yeah, like and like like people say that about Disney movies, but it's just it's not true. Yeah. Like, you know, you watch The Beauty and the Beast and it's like you enjoy this as an adult not because it's like got like deep sophisticated themes, you know, that appeal yeah. to your adult brain. It's because you watched it as a child and you're like the pleasure centers of your brain are lighting up. You know, like it's Right. Yeah, I mean, but like in that yeah, like in like um but that's the thing like Takahata and Miyazaki were are just like like you don't get that kind of talent in like often like yeah. i was i thought i thought you were gonna segue into like the state of modern animation and like like whenever we think of like who is who is doing non-embarrassing work today uh we think of like masaki yuasa and like yeah. he, like he's a he's a like a brilliant director in largely in terms of kind of like visual yeah he's a very inventive like director he doesn't have the same kind of like storytelling yeah like i like i like a lot of his his stories i like you know i like the time galaxy and night of short girl a lot more than you do um, yeah, but but also those are adaptations. Yes, yeah. like, I mean like uh, yeah. Um, Ghibli has done some adaptations in the past, but right, like, a, a lot I mean, of them like, are adaptations of manga that Hayao Miyazaki wrote. Um, oh yeah, and and like Miyazaki, lots of stuff. Best stuff I'm going to argue is is his adaptations. Yeah, uh, especially like I think his best work is Ping Pong. Um, yeah, and, I, and the worst thing, and in my of what I've seen of his, what I think is the least good is D- Devil Man Cry Baby. I would definitely like. I would say that my uh, my which favorite I guess thing was also is, technically an adaptation. Yeah, but. my favorite thing of his is is uh, is the Tatami Galaxy, and my least favorite thing of his is is also Devil May Cry Baby. Um, like, even though I like Devil May Cry Baby more than you like Devil May Cry Baby, it's it doesn't hold a candle to anything else of his we've seen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, like, and 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 when I think about like the future of Studio Ghibli, it also just makes me even sadder that Yoshifumi Kondo is uh, dead and has been dead for a long time. Uh, he was, for those of you who don't know, he directed Whisper of the Heart, and he was supposed to be, like, the successor to 
uh, Takahata and um, uh. and uh, Miyazaki, and like he and Whisper of the Heart is a great movie. Um, and and it was the only movie he directed for Studio Ghibli. He was the first person to direct a movie for Studio Ghibli that wasn't Miyazaki or Takahata. Um, and then he just he just he died in 1998. Um, oh. And it's super sad. Uh, we should watch Whisper of the Heart for the show at some point in the future because it's a great right. movie and people don't talk about it enough. Uh, anyway. Uh, yeah, I mean, they, 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 like they'll be, they'll be brilliant directors in the future. Oh, like, yeah. uh, this isn't this isn't like one of those kind of like uh, the 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 greatness has passed. But I it's also think that to a, certain, to a certain extent, Studio Ghibli is a product of a very specific time in Japanese history, and the fact that they were yeah. able to continue doing like like Studio Ghibli were the last vestiges of a style of animation that was only possible for most studios in like the asset price bubble of the 1980s, you know, like that's, and and after that they were the only studio that was successful enough to continue doing it on their own merits, you know, like, you know, in, in the eighties you got movies like Akira and like Akira, like we talked about this in that episode that like that is, must've been a ludicrously expensive movie to make. Oh God. Um, yeah. you know, like, and it looks amazing and so much stuff looks like, like, uh, anime films from the 1980s in, uh, look like that because like there was just so much money everywhere in Japan. Um, you know, so like part of the reason why nothing looks like Ghibli does now is because Ghibli is the only anime studio that caught on enough internationally to have enough money to make stuff that looks like Studio Ghibli, you know? Whereas, like, Disney was able to continue doing that stuff from, you know, long before Ghibli was doing it to, you know, into the into the 2000s because they have always been internationally successful. Um, you know, like, but, like, Ghibli is, like, the only Japanese animation studio that has enough money to animate on ones. Uh, yeah. You know, like, just yeah. nobody, yeah. nobody else has that kind of money, you know? Drawing right. every yeah. frame, are you insane? Right, yeah, we, we, yeah, we talk about how shit modern anime looks but like that's not the fault of the animators no that's that's that's, that's because of like the market the yeah. anime is and being like made part in. of what makes masaki Yuasa so great is that he's been able to take advantage of the tech of like the technology that everybody else is like making clown shit with and he's been able to do really impressive looking stuff yeah. with digital animation and 3d animation um and and make stuff that like looks good in a way that like every nobody else has been able to do yeah um yeah. you know like and and his just sort of commitment to blending 2d and 3d and like that's part of what i really love about the tatami galaxy like i so when i was flying i recently moved to los angeles and when i was on the plane i rewatched all of the tatami galaxy and i was just struck again at how just like clever and good that shows integration of like uh live action footage with its uh 2d animation is mm. it's so good um especially in like the last two episodes when you get all these like live action so- shots of like uh like four and a half to tommy rooms with like inserted 2d drawings of oh, right, like right, right. Oh, it's, oh it's so good it's such a good looking thing um and it's it's so clever and it it oh i love it i love it i love it i love it um but yeah, like it's we're probably never going to see another Studio Ghibli just because the economics of making something like that don't make any sense. I mean, we don't see movies like that in the West anymore. You know, Disney just makes three D animated movies now because they're much cheaper um, and and much more much more profitable than than two D animated movies. You know, like and like if even Disney, the biggest animation studio in the world, can't afford to keep doing the Disney animation thing, 
Like, there's no way a non-English speaking studio could possibly. I mean, also, like, like, Disney has fat, like, for whatever twisted reason, people, like, have latched on to the current Disney 3D style. Um, Like, it's not good, but it's distinctive enough that, like, people are, like, yeah, I don't think it all looks bad. I think it varies. Uh, True. I think it's at, I think definitely it's at its worst when it's attempting to be its most realistic. Um, you know, like I, re- I remember watching a uh, like watching a video like back when Zootopia came out. Like I, <laughs> I the first time I watched Zootopia, the first time, the only time I watched Zootopia, I had to watch Zootopia instead of uh watching the 2016 presidential election results come in uh and man i actually don't know which was a worse way to spend my time (laughs) um zootopia sucks and i remember but i remember like around that time when zootopia was coming out watching like a, a youtube video where some like engineers at pixar talked about like the tech art pipeline that they were using to like mm. re- render like the hyper realistic fur on the creatures <laughs> in Zootopia, and i was like but like why yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> like but for why you don't need to make it look like that just uh. film a bear <laughs> you know like like you didn't need hyper realistic fur rendering to make me like the beast from beauty and the beast right right right, you right. Know? yeah 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 but yeah and so like and so like these poor animators are like it's doing doing what they can with what they've been given but like you have you have to have someone like at a at a at a level where they can dictate the creative kind of like environment where you, you can do stuff like Masaki Yuasa does yeah uh, yeah and like you and, this is something that I've personally run into in my work doing computer graphics and stuff like that is like so much of computer graphics research is into how do you make stuff look more realistic you know how do you how do you render the most perfectly realistic reflective sphere that you possibly can is what computer <laughs> graphics research is all about um, yeah. and it's just like it makes it honestly kind of a struggle to produce something with a stylized graphical style that in in a way that it wasn't a struggle to produce something stylized if in traditional cell animation. Now traditional mm-hmm. cell animation is much more expensive for a bunch of other reasons. Um but it is still just like the default of all of these 3D animation tools assumes that you want to make something that looks photorealistic. Um yeah. and what Masaki Iwasa has brilliantly managed to do is like wrangle these tools into producing highly stylized images um you know like that's the best thing about ping pong animation is the way that it it uses and misuses perspective to like give a sense of physicality to uh uh, to the action that that just like (laughs) next podcast episode is just that one uh shot that that one fucking (laughs) black and white shot in the in the the climactic uh, last episode game yeah Yeah. um (laughs) god god that show that shows that show rules uh but yeah i think i think we can we can we can go on forever complaining about animation but i think uh you should recommend a book alex uh, all right all right uh well I, yeah i thought of this when we were talking about the kind of the underlying dread of the impending war 
uh, how Poker also takes place in the interwar period and how how we know what's coming. So I'm going to recommend Cassandra by Krista Wolf. You're, re- you're recommending me? I'm recommending you, my co-host Cass, who was <coughs> killed Agamemnon. Um, so this there's is a short, no a there's short... no DNA evidence, darling. <laughs> this is a short novel um, by Christopher Wolf, who's an author and and was a, and a classicist, and it's it's a just stream of consciousness novel from the perspective of Cassandra as she is being brought into Agamemnon's house and seeing both her impending death and everything that led up to it. And so it jumps around uh, between her youth, the the war in Troy, and her capture. Uh, as it does kind of shows how kind of an alternative life was possible, not just for her, but for the other kind of women involved in the conflict. So yeah, at one point near the end, like she and in this, uh, this Amazon who kind of lost her, um, the captain she was in love with and some of the like women of Troy basically have, have had a little kind of little commune outside the city and were kind of approaching utopia before kind of the war caught up to them and everything went to hell again and so it's like it's something i need to read again because it's 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 so dense and and it's like 140 pages and it just kind of never stops but uh it's fascinating so that's cassandra by uh krista wolf uh, all right. Uh, I said I was considering recommending this book uh, when we watch this together, so, and I will actually do it. So I'm going to recommend The Plot Against America by Philip Roth, um, which is... Uh, so I don't... I have complicated feelings about Philip Roth. As, uh, as, as can be expected. As, as, we, as we all do. And I have complicated feelings about this book. Uh, so I read this book in my American literature class some time ago. Um, and I generally enjoyed most of it. Uh, I have criticisms of the ending, uh, and I have criticisms of the, the, the book's sort of general perspective, um, which we will now elucidate. Um, so this is a book, (laughs) it is about, uh, Charles Lindbergh. It is an alternate history novel in which Charles Lindbergh defeated Franklin D. Roosevelt in the 1940 presidential election. Um, and this is a real thing that could have happened. Charles Lindbergh did run for president in 1940. Uh, he did not really significantly have a chance. Um, but the reason this is relevant is because Charles Lindbergh was not, like, openly, like, super Nazi, but he was definitely, like, a little buddy-buddy and was an isolationist in the lead-up to World War II. Um, and, like... It was suspected, basically, that Lindbergh was perhaps more anti-Semitic than he let on. In He's let... Nazi-curious. Yeah, not at the very least Nazi-curious, and that, <laughs> um, and, um, so... Sorry, so it's, I, killed, I, killed your, I killed your flow there. <laughs> yes, so this book, it's, it's written from the perspective of Philip Roth himself growing up as a child in Newark, New Jersey, uh, in a Jewish neighborhood, um... 
like in the actual like Jewish neighborhood in Newark that he actually grew up in in the actual 1940s, um, but in this alternate universe. Um, and it is generally like the thing that's sort of remarkable about it compared to a lot of other alternate history stuff is how measured it is. Um, you know, like it's the stuff that happens in the novel is bad, but like a lot of the book is spent sort of like just waiting for the other shoe to drop um you know it's it's um it and i when i was reading it it was like 2017 2018 so like donald trump had been present for a little while and this book came out in 2004 um like when uh george bush had like just been reelected or was just about to be reelected um and even though uh, Philip Roth is like, no, this book totally isn't about George Bush. I'm just interested in an alternate history that could have that could have happened. It's it's totally about George Bush. This book is absolutely 100 percent about George W. Bush. Um, and um, but yes, yeah, like it's and it it reminds me in a lot of ways of like a lot of awful in it, like a lot of awful stuff is happening, but the stuff that's really awful that people think might happen isn't happening and you're just sort of like sitting around waiting for like something like the worst thing to happen Uh. um is 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 a lot of what this book is so like like a little bit will happen a little bit of a bad thing will happen and then people will be like this will be terrible and then like it's not quite as terrible as we thought or there's like plausible deniability for how terrible it is um you know it's it's it is not like a lot of alternate history is like, okay, uh, Charles Lindbergh gets elected president, and then fast forward 70 years, and we've got Terminators roaming the streets, like, sh- shooting people with lasers. Basically, they're like the Wolfenstein yeah. model. Yeah, it, it is very much like this This is, is almost sort of diametrically opposed to, like, the Wolfenstein idea of what this would look like. Um my my I guess my, my, my main complaint about this novel is its sort of perspective the the novel ends with a very deliberate deus ex machina um that suggests that and this is literally what i wrote my final paper about in that class uh was about the way that it suggests that anti-fascist resistance is ineffective and that literally the only thing that say that could have saved america from becoming completely fascist is like basically like the grace of god like um which on the one hand i like it is a compelling sort of argument in the sense that like it what it portrays is the idea that like americans see ourselves as like the heroes of world war ii um you know we were on the right side of history for once you know it's sort of like we get to like celebrate doing the right thing for once in our godforsaken lives. Um, and I think what a charitable reading of this book is that um, it is simply it, it, it is instead arguing that like if things had gone slightly differently, like there's nothing inherent about America that makes America anti-fascist. Like there's right. America could easily have been things could have easily turned out differently. We could have easily been on the other side of this war if just, like, this one thing had gone differently. Like, we could have easily been on the other side or we could have easily have just have have abstained as Charles Lindbergh wanted us to. Like, this, there were more options in this scenario than the one that actually happened, and we are basically just lucky that the thing that happened actually happened. Um, yeah. And the, but the sort of, there are specifics about the details of some events in the second half of the novel 
that suggest that um, anti-fascism is ineffective as a strategy, um, which, and a lot of the paper that I wrote was basically uh, diving into historical sources and basically pointing out uh, that like anti-fascist action is literally the only reason why the United Kingdom did not join the Axis powers, um, which is... I mean, another book that I can recommend is uh, the Antifa Handbook by Mark Bray, which is has a bunch of historical information about that sort of stuff, because there was a burgeoning fascist movement in the United Kingdom in the lead-up to right. World War II that was mostly squashed by large popular demonstrations uh, and counter-demonstrations at, like, fascist rallies in the United Kingdom. And Mark Bray also talks uh, at great length about how a lack of coherent anti-fascist organizing from leftist groups in Germany... Um, what played a large role in allowing the Nazi party to come to power because the German communist parties and socialist parties and, you know, so and socialist organizations did not see the fascists as a significant threat that should be taken seriously until it was too late. Uh, anyway, that is the plot against America by Philip Roth. Uh, so Alex, what are we watching yeah. next month? Well, I think there's really only one option after our, our discussion. Uh, we're going to watch and Keep Your Hands Off Aizuken. Ooh. Directed by Masaki Iwasa and produced by Science Saru. Exciting. I've been really wanting to watch this. As uh, have I. Uh, cool. Uh, so, Alex, where can people find you on the internet? Online. I exist uh, on Twitter. Regrettably. Done. Done. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm trying to delete it. <laughs> Uh, Mastodon uh, Catalina at selfie.army selfie with a Y uh, I stream on our dinky little streaming server uh, trash.cloud and that's all you need to know about me uh, you can find me on twitter at prophet underscore goddess you can find me on Mastodon at prophet underscore goddess at skeleton.cool I also stream at trash.cloud uh, you can play the video games that I've made at ProfitGoddess.itch.io. Uh, and you can find the show on Twitter at Animes for Jerks. You can find the show on Mastodon at Animes for Jerks at Skeleton.cool. And uh, yeah, you can you can send us emails at Animes for Jerks. Oh, please, dear God. At gmail.com. I forgot to check it. I'm checking it now. <laughs> Let's see, any interesting spam? We did get a, a spam email in Japanese. Shit. How much can you understand of it? Uh, Just throw it in Google Translate, Cass, yeah. but it's not the right answer. We have <laughs> a very good stock index futures team. We have professional oh, financial analysts introducing products that are worth investing in for free <laughs> maximize <laughs> your return on investment. Click the link to join us. And then there is a QR code for Smash to it. like add somebody online <laughs> a financial consultant yes uh also uh a an email from blockfi review which says do more with your cryptocurrency <laughs> i will be sure to check that out for all the cryptocurrency that i definitely have <laughs> like yeah 10 years ago like when dogcoin was a joke uh like and there was a little, there was a little like Twitter bot. You'd like tip someone with dog coin. You'd like tip up with like one dog coin for like a good tweet. Yeah, I remember that. And I had like, 
I had like two dog cards, then I forgot my password, and so that's that was the end of that. I remember, I remember Dogecoin was like first launched, and then like a bunch of people in the Dogecoin subreddit like right, amassed a bunch of money and then like oh sponsored God. a NASCAR driver for some reason. Right, 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 right. Fuck, uh, I forgot about that. I remember that. That was so weird. <laughs> <laughs> it really was. Um. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Next month. Keep your hands off Izuken. Uh, uh, for, for extra credit, you can watch Shirobako, which is a cute but uh, kind of non-essential uh, anime about anime. Yes. We're... Which is also what Keep Your Hands Off Izuken. Yeah, I'm, I'm really interested because I know a lot of people have said really nice things about this show and... On the one hand, I do want to like. I do want to like it. I genu- I genuinely go into every single show, uh, wanting to like it. But also, there is an immense joy in being a curmudgeon. So I, it, I win. <laughs> I win no matter what. That's except, my job. Except that's my job. That I, do, I do have to watch eleven episodes of a bad show if it's bad. Um, yeah. That was the. But at least it's only eleven episodes. I mean, that was the thing about Carolyn Tuesday yeah. is that it was fun to hate Carolyn Tuesday, but it was twenty six fucking episodes long. And that's that's, not, that's too much effort to put into hate something. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, good night, everyone. And remember, there is nothing less important than anime. So Munashimonodato Soleva